Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey friends, and welcome to season three of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own possibilities. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern, and you can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year?, It's out now and can be bought everywhere books are sold. Or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more info. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passion. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hello, my lovely listeners. I've called this episode with Jennifer Cassetta, the martial artist, but I could have called it the badass. I was worried that maybe the algorithm would be mad if I use a curse word in my feed. But Jen is really a badass. She's a speaker, coach, and the author of The Art of Badassery, Unleash Your Mojo with Wisdom of the Dojo. A third-degree black belt in Hapkido and self-defense coach, Jennifer also rocks stages across the country with her knockout combination of engaging content and contagious enthusiasm. Her skills have been featured on The Today Show, Rachel Ray, The Doctors, and you can watch her TEDx talk, which she did barefoot, of course, as she takes us through her framework for living a life of utter badassery. I think we had a pretty badass conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, Jen. Hi, Alicia. Welcome to Quit Your Day Job. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Well, so you reached out to me and I was so compelled by your story. I've already done like twice as many episodes this season as I was supposed to, (laughs) but I kind of can't stop because I keep hearing about amazing people, amazing jobs. And so I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to join us today. Thank you. I love your concept. I love your theme and I'm about to dig into your book. Well, you have so much excitement ahead of you and not just (laughs) in terms of the book, but in terms of what I've got for you today for our little warm-up round. So I've been experimenting this season and I have decided for you, we are going to do a thumbs up or thumbs down martial arts movies edition. So sometimes I think people do not feel like their profession is portrayed as it really is, or as cool as it should be in the cinema. Sometimes Mm. they get it right. Maybe you can just thumbs up or thumbs down if you like it or you don't like it. Uh, And feel free to comment if something strikes you. If you haven't seen one of these things, you can pass as well. Mm. And on another podcast, as I was saying that I recorded, I just gave poor Debbie all of these uh, films that she had never seen before. So So here we go. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready and warmed up. All right. Thumbs up or thumbs down. The first one is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Thumbs up. Such a good Amazing, movie, right? So good. Michelle, Michelle, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. 
legend at everything she does and recent Academy Award winner. Yeah, I agree on that one. All right. Number two, Karate Kid. Thumbs up a million percent. (laughs) I mean, it's so nostalgic. Did you watch the reboot? With Jaden? On Netflix? The Cobra Kai Netflix series? Correct. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm obsessed. I want, I'm, I think it's so funny, so good, so entertaining. If you were one of those kids that loved Karate Kid. So to be Cobra Kai, thumbs up. Yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. Number three, which is not a movie I've seen, but my husband put this one in. House of mm-hmm. Flying Daggers. Excellent. Thumbs up. There's all a right. scene where there's all these, they're in a bamboo forest. That's the only thing I can really remember about it. Just like the most beautiful scenery, all green bamboo forest, like really, really beautiful. Amazing. Number four, Kill mm-hmm. Bill. Thumbs up. Amazing. All right. We got some good movies on here, I think. Yes. These are <laughs> classics. These are classics. Well, this is I was where I didn't want to go too niche. Uh, but I did spend a lot of time last night looking up like top 25 best martial <laughs> arts movies. So I learned a lot in this process. All right. Final one. Yep. Kung Fu Panda. Oh my God. Thumbs up. <laughs> of course. He's I love so that adorable. movie. He's so I love good. that movie. I love that you can be good at Kung Fu and also eat a lot of dumplings. Those those were all really good choices, just FYI. There was one more that I saw a long time ago that said had something to do with kung fu and soccer. And that was also really good. So I can't remember the name. Sorry, everyone, but it was actually really funny and good. Okay, I'm obviously going to go down a rabbit hole Googling this after we get off this call. So (laughs) oh Jen, congrats. You passed the speed round. So you've done very, very well. You did really well. Well, thank you. It was great movie. I was it was very difficult, but I managed I managed through. I'm quite proud of myself dusting off my shoulders that you knew all of them. So that feels really good. And I'm so excited to get into your work and your story. Now, I have I would like to describe you here as a professional badass. Oh, thank you. I like that. I'm gonna put it on my business card. Professional badass. So why don't you share a little bit with us about what that really means? What do you do? What is your job? Mm. Or your, how do you spend your time, I would say, rather than what is your job? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, because it is hard for me to sum it up in a sentence or two. But essentially, how I spend my time is sometimes out on the road speaking to groups, a lot of women's organizations, women's conferences, ERGs and businesses, sales meetings, you name it, either giving the Art of Badassery keynote or more of a in-depth, you know, breakout sessions, et cetera, into the art of badassery, which is a framework. And I'll explain all about self-empowerment. I also teach self-defense and safety to, again, same kind of organizations. And the other times I'm at home on my computer doing outreach, asking to be on people's podcasts, writing, you name it, like doing all of the things. I'm a solopreneur pretty much and have been for at least 20 years now. Wow. So you have an incredibly compelling story about what got you into this work. And you have a brilliant TEDx talk that everybody should go listen to. They can find it on your website. But maybe if you could just give us a little bit of a kind of tour through your journey that brought you to this work. Yeah. It's so interesting. That's why I love the name of your podcast and your book. I really... I had a few day jobs out of college, but never really a career path per se. I was just kind of like taking whatever job opportunity I was given. And along the way, I was probably 23 at the time, I was working. I finally 
figured it out. I was, I wanted to be an event planner and I was working in this beautiful loft three blocks south of the World Trade Center for a few months, getting it ready to be open as an event space. Just worked closely with the owners. It was beautiful. I was so excited. And sure enough, showed up to work on September 11th. As I got out of the subway, I looked up and there was black smoke billowing out of the towers. Um, So they had obviously been hit already. It was chaos on the street. No one knew what was going on. I made it to the building that I worked at and the doorman wouldn't let me up. There are a few poignant kind of moments I remember. And one is looking, you know, the West Side Highway there and there was obviously no cars, but there was just a police officer staring up at the towers, like sobbing. Wow. And in that moment, I just realized like, oh, this is bad. I didn't understand at the time what he was probably watching. And when, like I said, my the doorman wouldn't let me upstairs, but he said, you can use the phone in the lobby because our cell, the cell phones weren't working at the time. So I didn't know what to, who to call. I was like, let me call my mom. She's probably worried. And mm. She says, I spoke to her in like a childlike voice, like called her mommy, you know, and, and, but within seconds, the first tower fell. So the phone call was not long at all. A rush, you know, all these people start rushing into the lobby. The phone went flying out of my hands. I got pushed into this closet with a bunch of strangers. And for the first time in my life, my, that, that freeze response really kicked into my body. I froze completely paralyzed until this woman came over to me. And, just saw how distraught I was, asked me my name, which kind of got me out of that frozen response. And I said, Jennifer, she said, Jennifer, I'm Nancy. And the two of us were going to get out of here today. Wow. And I'll never forget my my Nancy, the two of us, we got evacuated from the building. We ran, you know, all the way downtown for hours looking for a safe place and on and on. And the story finally goes to the dojo. I had this idea, like, let me take Nancy to the dojo. It felt like a safe place to go to. Um, and sure enough, it it wound up being obviously safe and I was able to kind of regroup. Nancy went home to her family. I'm still looking for her. Um, we got to find Nancy. This is like now part of my mission. I, I think. Know. I know so many people want to help and I'm like, I don't know where she is, um, unfortunately. But, you know, part of the story is I always want to, I always bring it back to her at the end because it is so important to think of other people in, you know, that are in stressful situations that we can reach out and literally lend a hand. But anyway, uh, that, that dojo became this, this kind of refuge for me, the safe place. So the weeks and months that followed, I was out of a job that loft space never opened again. In fact, Mm. they wound up demolishing the whole building and I was bartending to pay the bills at night, going to the dojo throughout the entire day, loved how it was making me feel stronger in my body, mentally more confident, working out all this PTSD on the mat and spiritually feeling more grounded, more purposeful. And that is when I, you know, didn't come up with this huge plan, but essentially what can I do in the meantime? Oh, well, I can train as much as I can and become a personal trainer. Years later, became a health coach. Years later, went back to school to get a master's in nutrition and kind of had my private practice in New York City for 10 years. What was it? So you were already going to the dojo before 9-11. So what, had you always done martial arts like as a child? Like what is it that brought you there? No. And in fact, I had only started the year prior. So what I mean, the inspiration was my father Mm -hmm. and who's no longer with me or us on 
on this planet, mm. but he had started martial arts in his fifties. So a oh, late, wow. late starter. Mm-hmm. And I was much younger and he would always be like, you'd love this. This is so great. And when I, when you're a junior high in high school, it's like, I don't know, it just seemed like very nerdy. And I was like, <laughs> never, never, it's not my thing, you know? And some just one day, like I remember being on the subway going, kind of sick of the gym. I would like to try something new. And when I got there, I realized it was, it was not just like a workout. It was like a whole way of life. I know again, with these movies, you see that kind of stuff, but it is true. You wind up getting sucked in because there's community. There's, you know, it's, it's not just a workout class and you leave. Like it's, it became like my whole social circle as well. So I was really involved. And you worked your way up and you are eighth. Third, third black. You have to third, tell me what you third black belt. I don't third, know. Third okay. degree black belt. Third degree black belt. Okay. In, in a martial art called Hapkido, which is a Korean style. And so, you are kind of you're doing this martial art. You have this idea. You're bringing all these pieces together, right? And you've got yeah. the physical health pieces and the nutrition. How did you decide that you wanted to transition that from that to spreading your message much more widely through your book mm-hmm. and all of the talks and things like that? Yeah. Well, in those 10 years of, you know, doing all the physical and then the health coaching, et cetera, I was also going, well, again, my dad had always inspired me as a kid. He was always reading self-help. We we called it self-help back then, Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-help books, like devouring them, had the cassette player, you know, always pumping out Tony Robbins and all that stuff. (laughs) Love it. So I was exposed to it. And then I started like doing it and reading all the books and going to all these seminars and even Tony Robbins. So I remember being in a real Tony Robbins seminar, you know, it's almost like a rock concert if you've ever been. I haven't, and but it seems like an amazing experience. It's like people on the chairs jumping, screaming. I mean, it's incredible. And then he gets you like really in, you know, also like, whoa, like almost mesmerized and hypnotized at times. And I was like watching these people have such deep transformations over the period of three days or whatever it was. And I remember thinking like, if I could just have a sliver of that type of um, impact on folks in the world, like this would be something that I really want to do. So it took me many years. So like I said, 10 years in New York doing private practice. And then I came out to Los Angeles in 2009. So for the last 13 years, it was, how do I take this from one-to-one person to one-to-many? Mm. And slowly but surely, I started with self-defense, taking that to college campuses, and then turning it into more, you know, talking about sexual assault awareness and how we can basically self-empower, right? We can empower ourselves. Then I started to take that into more corporate America and develop more programming for people of my own age range and above. So 2022 and above is what you're saying, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So when you go in and teach self-defense, I'm like fascinated by this because it's one of those things I've always wanted to do and never Mm. done. Are you bringing in some of the badass mentality as well? Do you feel like self-defense is not just a physical thing, but also an emotional thing? How do you treat it? A hundred percent. It's definitely mental, physical, and spiritual. And say I have an hour to teach a basic class, at least 20 to 25 minutes of that is the mental part because it's that important. Mm. The physical part is always the last option, right? You never want to get, you never want to get in a physical altercation. And the the reality is, again, depending where you live and, and the stats and the crime going on, the chances of you actually needing to use it are very slim. 
I know it may not seem that way when we Mm -hmm. watch the news some days, but it really is. But having to use your mental self-defense is almost a daily skill that we need, Right. right? So from people, people, places, and things that rob us of our energy. So that's why I think of it as like energetic self-defense as well. We're always having to set boundaries, either mentally, verbally, emotionally, last but not least physically. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so talk to me about the book. Did the book, did the book come after you had kind of been doing the speaking for a while? How did you get the idea together and what was your process to bringing it to the world? Yeah. So I created the, a keynote called the art of badassery probably five ish years ago. I remember my first big stage, it was for Bacardi and they had this big she summit. I think it was called at the time. And I was the opening keynote and I just felt like this was, you know, one of those like, things in your career. You're like, how did this happen? I have no idea. She found me, but I'm just going with it. Mm -hmm. So I gave this art of badassery keynote where there was like five steps kind of thing, very basic. And I started giving that more and more and more and more. And then finally in 2020, I decided that I was going to sit down and write the book and in January. Right. (laughs) And then of course, March happens and I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to make the best of all of my speaking gigs just drying up and having no income. So I'll just sit down and write. And it wound up being, obviously, after that, after everyone was out of the shock, I wound up getting so much virtual gigs through the pandemic that I wound up having actually one of the best years of my business in 2021. But anyway, I digress. The So when I started to sit down and actually write and develop the content, all of a sudden, this idea came to me to organize the chapters as if they were belt levels in a a martial artist walking from white belt to black belt. And that's when it came to me. And I was like, oh my God. Again, like one of those moments you're like, how did that come to me? (laughs) The angels singing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's pretty much how it happened. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And... Surely you don't wake up every morning feeling like a badass. I mean, maybe you do, right? So what do you do when you're having a day when you're just... Because, you know, when you're when you're a speaker that's motivating others, you're bringing your message, you know, that involves being on. You have to be living your message. You have to be showing that to people with your body language. Like, what do you do when you just don't feel that much of a badass when you get up in the morning? Yeah, uh, I I would say every morning I don't really feel like a badass... <laughs> first thing in the morning. I really don't. (laughs) However, I am committed to a daily meditation practice. And that 
in that 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the day, I like transform myself into a, into feeling badass, no matter what's going on in the world. So, and I have a whole routine that I've like sorted through over the years, but essentially, do you want to know like the formula for me? I do. I'm going to use it tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) So the formula for me, and again, everyone has to like, I feel like everyone has to come up with their own thing, but you could try this on is the first few minutes. I just do deep breathing exercises, right? Like inhaling, holding, exhaling longer than both the inhale and the hold. And I do that for a few minutes. Then I start with gratitude and I just kind of think of all the things that I'm grateful for in the moment could literally be the cat, my cat right? Crawling on my lap. I'm like, oh, this feels so nice. And the key there is to really feel those feelings of gratitude and let them just like marinate in your body. Then I just start to visualize the life, the dream life, Mm. right? The book doing really well, making the impact that I really wanted to have, getting on the stages, meeting with people after, shaking their hands, um, signing their books, and literally just have this whole fantasy and, you know, visualization play out in your head, you know, the vacations I'm going to go, it's different every day, but I truly like believe it. And I feel it in my body. And I feel like if you do that enough, you're just going to be called forward into that life. You're going to be attracting it, you know, in not in such a woo woo way, like literally you'll wind up doing the actions that need to be done to get there. And that's what I believe. I think you're right. I love that. And I had someone on at the very beginning of the season who, uh, she is a visual, like a graphic visualizer. So she goes into meetings and she draws things out. And one of the things Mm -hmm. she does with people is an exercise about drawing your future. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a lot because, you know, she, she saying a similar thing that you have to be able to visualize what you want to see. And I think at least from a personal level, I spent a lot of my life being too afraid that I wasn't going to get the thing that I wanted. And so I wouldn't let my, I didn't want to let myself get excited about it. So that, that idea is a relatively new one for me where I'm putting out there these big things that I want and being okay with the fact that they might not happen. Right. Because it's because they're, they're not going to happen if I don't think about them at all or conceptualize them at all. Right. Right. I mean, you've just accomplished some really big things. Did you I mean, not it, took, it took a while. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know it, it all, it, it doesn't seem like it from the outside, but it. I know how long this kind of stuff takes. But the fact that you can internationally promote your book and all these things, did you dream about that before? Did you have... Like in my wildest dreams, but even with that, you know, like when I found out, so I found out that I was going to be, we, that I was booked on Good Morning America in maybe December and mm-hmm. I didn't tell anybody except my mom and my husband, like, and my dad, because I was just sure, I was sure I was going to get bumped for something, or I was going to get COVID right before I went on or like (laughs) something, my flight was going to be canceled. Like something was going to happen. And so, but, so I still find that sometimes I do that. Like sometimes I don't want to let myself Mm -hmm. have the big dream because I'm so worried that it then won't happen. And when I'm doing that, I have to very intentionally catch myself and be like, no, you've got to stop doing this. Like, don't, you know, don't cut off your nose to spite your face or whatever the yeah. like, right idiom is to use. But no, I mean, I think I still, even, even with all of these things, I really have to 
remind myself sometimes that it's okay to dream about these big things and that I'm not somehow like, like jinxing, <laughs> jinxing myself, I guess is like the most yeah. way to think about it. Right. Yeah. I, I completely understand. There's part of it that you want to like temper your expectations, but at the same time, like why not dream big? I don't know. That's, that's how I've always been. I've always been this really big dreamer. And to be honest, most of most of the shit hasn't happened yet, but, but it's not. But, but it gets yet, me out of bed. Yet is your keyword there. Yet, yet is your keyword. It gets me out of bed, and it gets me into that mode of okay, well, let's do this because no one's going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And the fact, especially with book publishing, you know, I had no idea how if this book was going to be a flop, if it's going to be successful, and what even successful means, mm. right? So, so I look up to folks like you, where I see you know, from the outside anyway, you're on Good Morning America, you're doing all these wonderful book tours. Like that seems like a really successful thing. So now I'm asking you, right? Like how, not how did you do that, but Mm. did you know that that was going to be your trajectory for the book? Absolutely not. Or did you go with the flow? Absolutely. I did not. I did not because, I mean, I was saying this all the time, like I'm, I, I think I'm a very confident person in general. I mean, I don't think I am. I am a very confident person in general. And there were so many moments, like even after I had my book deal, I was so sure if I sent a draft in and I didn't hear from my editor, like immediately, I was convinced that they were going to somehow rescind my book deal up until (laughs) the point that I saw the physical book. I was waiting for like the other shoe to drop because I did not expect it to happen like this. The the more time I spend in this industry, the more I see that it's very fascinating that there really is short of getting yourself on like Oprah's book club or Jenna's book club or GMA book club. There's really no, there's really no like guaranteed route to being a bestseller or really hitting. Sometimes a book will be out for years and then it will strike a chord with people at the right moment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, which is not to diminish the hard work that's gone into it because there is a lot of hard work that goes into it, as you well know. But I certainly think that a lot of the great press and the events and things like that has been a lot of being at the right, you know, it's being lucky. Like this is a book that's speaking to people in this moment of time when a lot of people are thinking about what comes next. A lot of people my age, a lot of people who are in their 30s, 40s, even 50s, like just trying to figure out. And this moment of COVID that happened and made everybody really consider. Um, Right. But it's funny because I really think that this idea of being a badass is kind of having a moment. And also this idea of hyping up other people, particularly women hyping up other women, although it's not only that, it's kind of like it's like it's in fashion now. Like people are excited about it and it feels like (laughs) things are picking up. But I mean, no. And I still don't know. Someone would be like, this is how many books you sold this week. I was like, is that good? I don't know. Somebody tell me if that's good. (laughs) And then I have to remind myself, it's okay. I'm I'm enjoying myself. I'm loving mm-hmm. everything I'm doing. The like inner me who really always wants to be the best at things. I've got to keep her quieted down a little bit and really right. kind of just focus on, okay, how am I going to get, like, how am I going to enjoy this day? How am I going to learn in this yeah. day? How am I going to push myself to do something that makes me uncomfortable in this day? So that's my current mm-hmm. MO. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I love to hear it, honestly. What I'm do sure you everyone- think? Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I think, I feel like I've been doing so many. I also, you know, I'm going to don't say, I I say no to almost nothing. So I'm also doing a lot of podcasts at the moment. And my daughter keeps being like, mommy, don't you think people are tired of hearing about your book? (laughs) 
And I'm like, well, babe, I don't think it's the same people listening to all the same things. Right. That's what you have to hope. <laughs> if not, they're all just turning me off. We'll see. <laughs> but Jen, I want to ask you, what is something that people assume about you or your work that just is mm. not true? Mm. Yeah, I think again, from the outside, maybe. Um, and this just happened on a sales call the other day where I was explaining how I can take this book, this framework, really what it is, and do it over like a retreat. So Ooh, for these cool. meeting planners, we were I was like dreaming up this, this whole retreat style art of badassery where you're breaking it up with like martial arts movements, maybe some self-defense, but martial arts is also like moving meditations and these beautiful forms and all this stuff that you can do. And at one point, and it was mostly women on the call and they were like, yes, yes, yes. And at one point, the one guy was like, oh, so, so basically we're saying this is all like really aggressive, right? It's like really aggressive work that you're teaching people how to, how to be more aggressive. And I was like, did you just hear what I said? Like, no, actually, like, no, that's not it. There's one chapter in the book, um, Orange Belt, which is about blocking and it's about setting boundaries and specifically that there's different styles of boundary setting. Hard styles, yes, may be appropriate on the street if you're getting harassed. Softer styles, like asking people for a clarification of what they just said, asking if them if that was necessary, like asking more questions, digging a little deeper. I'm sorry, but soft styles can be even more effective than hard. So if he, uh, like, I think he took that and went like, oh, you know, it's a, about being aggressive. Black belt level, the last chapter is all about taking a stand for other people. Oh God. Did you, you know? did you take, did you take a soft barrier, uh, soft boundary with him? Were you like, can you explain to me what you mean by saying the opposite of everything <laughs> I just said on this call? <laughs> no, I just tried to explain it again. Um, in different words, but yeah. So anyway, I, I sometimes feel like people think that my whole approach is about self-defense and it's very aggressive and it's this and badassery itself is about being like, you know, tough and masculine and this and that. And I'm like, so if it's necessary, sure. Right. If someone is attacking me on the street, I will get primal on your ass mm. and I will teach women to do that. However, like I said, in the beginning, most of the times that is not going to happen. Most of the times it's unnecessary to get that rough, you know, like that aggressive. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, I think the misconception. Oh God. I have a, well, do it story. Yes. I was at a speaking event and this woman and I were both speaking at this day long conference and we were staying at the same hotel. We got together afterwards for a drink in the lobby and I was spent. I had given four to five hours of content that day Jeez. right? of speaking. That is a lot to give. Um, and she had only just flown in that day and was going to speak the next day. So we were like, where are we going to eat dinner? And honestly, and no one offense to anyone that lives in Iowa, but we were in the middle of Iowa, not even in a big city, very small town. I'm on Yelp looking. Nothing sounded like really interesting. Yeah. So I was like, at this point, I just kept saying like, I don't care. You know, like, it's fine. You choose, blah, blah, blah. This woman went off on me. I don't know something. I triggered something in her and she, she came at me like with this whole, 
I thought you were a badass. I thought, you know, you're a teacher about badassery and you can't make a decision. You can't you're find being a so... restaurant on Yelp and I. <laughs> <laughs> you're being wishy-washy, this and that. And I was like, I was stunned. Wow. I was really, really stunned. And sorry, that was actually after dinner. She, so we went to this place. She told me all that afterwards. And I really was like blown away. Anyway, to long story short, I was like, good night. See you never. And like a, a few days later, I got an apology email from her. And I was just like, okay, well, this is interesting. This is good feedback that some people's definition of badassery is completely different than mine. Wow. So that's, that that's is, like pretty rude though. I feel like for her to do something like that. I'm trying to think of what a good excuse would be. And it would be the only thing I can think of is if she has parents like my parents that are like unable to make a decision ever about a restaurant so much so that they will, they would walk around for hours and then end up going to like a seven 11 that has happened before. So maybe she has some like childhood trauma where she needs someone to make a restaurant decision for her immediately. Uh, It's not really an excuse. I don't think I've ever yelled at anybody for not being able to choose a restaurant, except maybe my parents. I have yelled at them. That's true. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Oh my gosh. Jen, I have loved this conversation. I always like to finish up my episodes with a little bit of advice. And so what I would like to know is... I think you've done something really amazing, which is you kind of, you have this concept, you have this idea, have all this experience and you're bringing it together under this brand. You've put together this keynote that you're delivering. You're like making a business out of it. So what Mm -hmm. advice would you give to someone who is thinking about maybe this great approach they have to life or something that they would like to share with the world and they don't know what, how to take that next step? What would you advise them to do? I would advise them this because it's, it's, way more like a logical thing than an inspirational thing, but start. And if you have some source of income, keep it (laughs) for as long as you need to. Hmm. I had to do that with my personal training. I had to hold on to that even in years where I was like not really feeling it, right? When I first moved out to LA, I still had to train people. I still had to ghostwrite you know, nutrition plans that I had no interest in doing. I still was working as a nutritionist in a in a teenage kind of treatment center that mm-hmm. I didn't really love the work, but I held on to just that small amount of um, security and safety for myself until I was able to like completely, you know, cut the strings from it all. So that's what I would say is like, start the work now. Don't, do not put it off because it, it takes a long time to build a business out of your passion. And in the meantime, just, you know, kind of plug away and have your your time kind of carved out that way. I think that's so you amazing, to- amazing advice. I, because I do think there's almost this idea that like to be an entrepreneur, to start something like this, you have to just like throw everything out the window and just like take a huge risk. And that feels very scary to a lot of people when the reality is, you know, you do oftentimes have to do the thing that's paying the bills and you make time for your passion around it until you can get to a point where you can transition. it. So I think that's excellent, practical, badass advice for everybody (laughs) here. Jen, thank you so much for joining me today on Quit Your Day Job. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are produced by Zibby Audio and want to send a huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. 
Don't forget to buy your copy of my What If Year, which is out now. You can also sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to hear about future podcasts and, of course, memes about Gilmore Girls. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.